minutes, but uh, uh, I, I was all ready for the second line, and you skipped it. You may sing it. Yeah, the cattle are lowing, and I was going to move. <laughs> but he didn't do it, so I lost my opportunity. So. All right, go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 9 is where we're going to begin. We finished up Romans chapter 4, verse 8. We got through verse 8. Uh, and, of course, as we're doing, we're going effectively going verse by verse through the book of Romans. Uh, not totally, but really close. We're going as best we can verse by verse through the book, book of Romans. And studying the doctrines, last week we talked about imputation. We're going to look at imputation again today. It'll be mentioned in this chapter. And so God emphasizes again uh, some very important things. And imputation is simply that uh, Jesus' righteousness is placed upon us on our account. Uh, we owe eternal death, but his righteousness was placed upon us and all of our sin and our debt was placed upon him. Right. So Amen. we got an incredible credit. He got a major debit, and uh, God takes care of that. And so that's really what imputation is, and it's amazing, simplistic truth, but that's what Jesus does. He took all of our sin upon him. He put all of his righteousness upon us. Amen. And and so that, uh, it not only, as I explained last week, it not only cleared out our account, but it gave us this, this amazing credit on our account. Uh, it sounds terrible, but, you know, it, it, it's not there so we can spend it in sin, but it still covers whatever sin. I mean, it, it, you understand? I mean, when, we were, when he placed that righteousness, that righteousness now covers every sin, uh, past, present, and future in our lives. And, and so it's already covered. And, and every sin we will ever commit from the time, November the 8th, 1975, I trusted Christ. And every sin I've committed since I trusted Christ immediately was put upon Jesus' record as far as my eternity is concerned. And never confuse, and I'll emphasize this over and over, never confuse eternity and, and the present day, the, the uh, temporal. Never uh, to confuse those two. Uh, because a lot of people get that kind of mixed up. And, and the fact is, is that my eternity, my sin for all eternity is on Jesus Christ. Amen. When God sees me, he sees me through the blood of Christ. He sees Amen. me through the righteousness of Christ. But in this life, I still sin. And in this life, that sin still needs to be confessed. Well, and uh, right. so uh, that, and again, it doesn't have anything to do with my eternity, but it does have something to do with how I live this life. And so uh, that's part of what we're going to be looking at. But look at verse 9. We're, we're going to look to probably get through uh, verse 16 tonight. Uh, but about, about what we cover, we usually get about seven or eight, nine verses. But he says, verse 9, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? And when he says, cometh this blessedness, what blessedness are you talking about? At the eight, verse 8, if you look back at verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. And, and again, that's an incredible statement. He will not. He will not. When you, come, when you come to Christ in faith, he will not impute sin upon your record anymore. It's not going to go. It goes instantly upon the record of Jesus Christ. It does not go upon my record. He will not impute sin. And he said, now cometh this blessedness. 
This blessing that he just talked about in verse 8, he said, now cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. So he's saying, he's speaking at this time, really speaking, uh, you know, to the, the, the people of the, of the book of Romans. And so he's speaking to Gentiles and uh, I'm sure there are Jews there. And, and there's just such a confusion about this whole thing. And he's saying just point blank, uh, that he's going to deal with this, this whole issue of uh, the Jew and the Gentile. And so we look at the, the next few verses, God will direct Paul to take a stand for the Gentiles. Here's what he's doing in these next verses. He's going he's to make it clear to these this Gentiles that he's speaking to and whatever Jews are listening. The Jews were convinced that their righteousness came through the keeping of the law. Uh, they they were, had lived this way. They believed, as we already talked about, that Abraham somehow had lived out the law, and, and they were the people of the law, and they were. Uh, but they somehow believed at this time, they were convinced that, uh, that their, their righteousness came through the keeping of the law. And so a very important part of this law was circumcision, which... Uh, which made a clear definition between the Jew and the Gentile. The Jew took great pride in the fact that they, they had a, a, a very definitive uh, uh, division between them and the, and the Gentiles. And, and this thing was this thing of circumcision. It says, you know, that the Jews uh, were circumcised and, and that uh, was very important to them. Now, uh, number one, Paul poses a direct question in verse 9, though. Paul comes to him, he says, okay, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to throw this in. Now, truthfully, it's going to be a rhetorical question, but he says, verse 9, he says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? He is making all the hearers and readers for all humanity face the question, is it works or is it faith? That's what he's saying. He's saying uh, uh, this really, really comes down to, and as I said, it's a rhetorical question for in the remainder of the verse, he will begin to answer the question he just posed. He says, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. He reminds the people that they themselves, he says, look, the scripture already teaches us. Genesis, we talked about Genesis 15, 6, teaches us that this Faith is what reckoned, you know, righteousness came to Abraham through faith. He said, it's, you know this, it's been taught this. How do we get off track? But he said, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. He reminds the people that they themselves say that faith of Abraham was reckoned for righteousness. Then you go into verse 10, another rhetorical question. He says, how was it then reckoned? He said, so... Is it if circumcision or uncircumcision? And he said, we know, we've already been taught. And if you really go back to the scriptures that you memorize uh, in the Old Testament, you know that, uh, that uh, God has already said that this faith, that uh, this righteousness came through faith. And so verse 10, he's coming back to him and he's, it's really just for emphasis. He says, so how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? And again, he comes up with a it's a rhetorical question, so he comes up with the answer. He's not really waiting for an answer for them. He's going to give them the answer, and the answer follows. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. 
He says it's real plain. It wasn't when he was circumcised. It was where it, the, this righteousness came through the uncircumcision. It came in his life before he was ever circumcised. Paul, or rather God, makes it abundantly clear that Abraham, the father of the Jews, found the righteousness of God through faith, not through any work, for even his circumcision followed the faith. It all followed faith. It was, and, and there's, there's a very important point here, and I'm going to emphasize it later, but Here's, here's something, this, this chapter's teaching that, uh, that, of course, that it's not by works. It's not by any works that we can do. And, and so we can correlate it today. It's not by our baptism. It's not by our church membership. It's not by a t- the taking of the Lord's Supper. It's not by being good. And it's not by uh, any, anything that we can do. But watch this now. As we read this, what we find out is that Abraham, the follower, father of faith, and I'm, and I'm using that mic, and I never did turn this one on, did I? Okay. You had that little smug look on your face. Like, like yeah, I knew it, but I wasn't going to tell you. Thank you, Wade. I appreciate it. All right. Now, so here's the, it's, it's a very important thing that's not seen in this passage very often, and that's this. This act of circumcision, which correlates with our baptism, which cor- with our church membership, with, with so many things that are works, they must still have been very important. You see, for Abraham follows God and obeys God to do them. If he's already justified, why did he do these things? You see, it's... In this, again, the world that we live in, the churches that, we, that are permeating our, our nation right now and permeating our world, it, what they're saying is, no, we're of grace now. We're not of law. And not great. Salvation is of grace. It's not of the law. You won't get saved through, gra- uh, through law. You'll only be through grace, by grace, through faith. But watch this. That does not mean the law is not important. It's not important for salvation. It's important for life. And it was very important that that Abraham was obedient to God about his circumcision. It was unnecessary for his salvation. It was necessary for his obedience. Does this make sense to you? Okay. So then why was Abraham circumcised? Look at verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. Look at what it's saying. He said it's a sign, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And he's speaking again to the Gentiles. He's saying, look, these Gentiles, God, at this point, God is not asking them to be circumcised. He's not doing that. He's not saying uh, that that that's going to be a requirement for them. What is God going to ask of the Gentile? Baptism. Jesus is going to demonstrate to them. He's not coming. They didn't come and say, now, oh, you've got to be certain. No, he said, follow the Lord in baptism. And we've talked about that uh, Sunday. Baptism is an act of obedience. Clearly, it's a sign, 
an outward manifestation of what has taken place in the heart. That's the way we describe baptism. It's a seal. Listen to this. It's a seal. It is that which shows, listen to this, a seal by definition is that which shows something is genuine and real. Do you know why it's so important that that somebody, once they get saved, they get baptized? Do you know why it's so important that once they get saved and they get baptized, they become a member of the church? Do you know why it's so important that, that we faithfully come and, and, and take properly the communion, these, these ordinances of the church. Why are those things so important? Because they are a seal of what's real inside of our hearts. Did it really mean, I've given this, and you'll hear it, uh, uh, it'll depend on how long I live, which may be another week, but, the, uh, but you'll hear this over and over again, but, but I thank God one of the things that really made a difference in my life was was. I got saved, and I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about you had to be baptized. I got baptized at 12 years old because everybody else did, and because at 12 years old, you walk down the aisle, and at 12 years old, if you get baptized, you get to take a communion. And I never got to before then. And so, and I told you, I always want to know what that stuff tastes like, so I went and got baptized. And so, now, I wasn't saved. I didn't know it had anything to do with salvation. I, I don't even know other than being able to take communion why I was doing it. But when I got saved at 20 years of age, I still, I was alone. I had nobody to teach me that I need to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. I had nobody to teach me about anything, really. Now, I don't know really how long it was after that, but somewhere, a year, a year and a half, or something like that, I, I, somebody invited me to a church. And as a matter of fact, it was Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it was over here in, uh, I guess, south of Mississippi now, but it wasn't then, don't uh, I don't remember where it was, but it was probably on Broadway. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, it was, but I went in, and it was a big crowd there, and they, the girl that invited me to church there, she was walking on campus, she invited me to go to church. Well, I, uh, I couldn't find her. She didn't, I don't know, maybe she didn't come to church. I don't know. But I showed up there, sat right back there in a in, in huge crowd of people, uh, and, and I sat at the, at the back, and, and they got to the end, and I, something inside me said, go forward. And so I went forward. I've never really been forward in an altar before. I don't know what that's all about, but something inside go, said, go forward. And folks, can I, can I just beg you, uh, when, when the Spirit speaks to you, can I just, just act? Just obey. And, and you don't have to understand it. I didn't know what I was going forward for. And I got to the front, and I sat at the front, and a guy came to me, and he started telling me about the gospel. And, and, and everything he said to me is what I read in that little Gideon's Bible in my room. And so he went through it all, and, and he said, you, need, you know, if you want to pray and accept Christ as your Savior. And I said, man, I already done that. Now, look, folks, when I'm sitting there, you have to understand, I got an afro, I got my, my beard, amen, uh, and I got... I, I don't know, and I know he probably looking at me going, there's no way this guy in his platform shoes, his flared pants, his silky shirt, his beard is afro that this guy's saved. But I said, you know, I already done that. 
And I thank God this guy didn't try to convince me that I hadn't. He just looked at me and he said, you've trusted Christ your Savior. You believe this? And I said, yeah, I believe that. And I, and I prayed that and I asked Christ to save me in my room. I remember the night. And, and so he said, look, son, if that's the truth, then you need to be baptized. Now watch this. I looked at that man straight in the face because I'm just kind of this way. I looked at him. I stood up. I looked at him. I pointed my finger right in his nose. And I said, is that what God wants me to do? Because watch this. I don't care what you want. That's a bad attitude, but that was kind of my attitude back then. I really don't care if you want me to be baptized. I'm not getting in that water for you. Is that what God wants? And so he took the word of God, and he showed me where God commanded me to be baptized as soon as I trusted Christ. And you know what? Here's what I said. I looked at him, and I said, then where do I go? Do you know what? I believe that set a precedent for the rest of my life. I didn't say, I think I'll do it later. Well, let me think about it. Or no, man, no way. I don't know anybody here. I didn't know anybody in that building. I sure didn't know they were about to take my clothes from me. And you don't even know what an afro looks like when it's wet. I said, where do I go? You know why? Because something had happened in here. It was real. I don't mean I was perfect. I, you know, I was far from it. But something had happened in here. And God says, that's what it is. He said, this circumcision is a seal. You know, it... it it's just so important that we say this stuff is real to us. And if it's real, I, I used to say this to sailor boys all the time. I'd say to them as they get saved on Saturday night and we'd, we'd play football, basketball, softball, whatever, and then I'd preach to them. And, and, and uh, it just so many fellas trusted Christ. And, and I'd stand them all up and I'd look at them and I'd say, fellas, in about 12 hours you're going to make a decision. You're on your way to heaven if you sincerely trusted Christ tonight, but about 12 hours from now, you're going to be able to walk down an aisle or choose to. I said, nobody's going to make you. Nobody's going to try to convince you to. I'm telling you tonight what's going to happen. And I told, I'll tell them about the service. I'll tell them about the invitation. I said, some of you never even, don't even know what that is. But when it comes time and they ask for people to come forward, you have a choice. Do you want to make it public that you've trusted Christ? And I said, and when you come forward, you're going to stand up there and a guy's going to come up to you and tell you that the next thing you need to do is be baptized. And I would explain to him what baptism was. I would explain to him there's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I'd explain to him there's nothing more than a wedding ring. That ring doesn't make me married. It shows everybody I'm married. And I have to wear it all the time just to make you let them know I'm, I'm not available. And so, and so uh, but the fact is, is that, that I would explain every bit of that. And, you know, those fellas then, if it was real what they had done, why would they hesitate? And I would simply look at them and I would say, this is what you got to think about. Christ loved you so much, he went to a cross and died, beaten beyond recognition for you. And you know what he asked of us to show our love toward him? Our very first step to show that I really, this is real. 
Yes, you're getting some water. Boy, he's a hard God, isn't he? That's all he asks. Now, that's the first, that's not all he asks. That's the first thing that he asks. And so, now, the truth is, is that I, I, I did it for the first 10 years, but, but uh, I didn't for the, the remaining time. We, were, we had that ministry almost 20 years, but for the first 10 years, I, one time I had a guy that was helping with the statistics and had a computer, and we did it all. 89.6% of the fellows who got saved got baptized. And nobody told them to. Nobody forced them to. Many times they would come to the front and the, the pastor, assistant pastor would come down and he would start to explain to him, say, well, now that you're saved, and, and the, my sailor would look at him and say, yeah, I know, I've got to be baptized. Where do I go? Because I'd always give him the illustration because I'd say, where do I go? And they would say, where do I go? Now, every once in a while, that some guy would look at him and say, are you sure you're saved? Now, this is good. You know, you don't change everything the moment you get saved. I don't know how many sailors I've had at the front. The guy looks at him and says, are you sure you're safe, son? And I've had him say, you blank right. <laughs> and I'm like, and I've had guys turn around me, hey, hey, Bob, I think you got it. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. But they know something happened. And they won't to follow, they want to seal it to show everyone it's genuine and real. To be circumcised meant that someone truly believed. Abraham was the one who would be an example to both Jew and the Gentiles. See, Abraham was the example to both because he was saved by faith. He was, he was righteousness came by faith. That's what's going to happen to all the Gentiles. The Jew was circumcised. And Abraham led the, in that obedience to that circumcision. And, of course, the, the Jews still had to be saved by faith, and that's what they got off track, and, and that's what Paul is trying to teach him even right now. He would, receive, he would receive by faith, but he would also seal it with the outward sign. Then it leads us to verse 11. Verse 11, that he might be the father of all them that believe, Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. So God is saying that Abraham is the father of all who believe. Now, uh, watch this when, and I'm really getting ahead of myself, but, but when the scripture teaches us that Abraham, and God promises that Abraham will be a father of many nations. Did you ever think about that? Father of many nations. Well, wait a minute. He's the father of the Jews. Now, the Jews may be a part of many nations, but how is Abraham the father of many nations? Well, that's because Abraham, uh, his faith, he was the father of every Gentile nation that came to Christ by faith. Amen. He was also father of the Jews. And so uh, he's, he, it's, it's, it's amazing what the subtle things that God does in the Scripture, but he says that he might be father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And so he's that example to everybody. So when the Gentile came and said, hey, you know, I, I believe in Christ, he's... It's the example of Abraham says that you can. You can because it's by faith. 
and righteousness comes by faith. Notice imputation again. He says to them, imputed unto them, God placed righteousness upon them through faith. Verse 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. So the, he's the father of the, those who, are, who are, came by faith and were never circumcised. He was the father of those who came by faith and were circumcised. And so Paul restates the point that he has been making and emphasizes it again that faith came without circumcision. Then you look at verse 13. I've got to hurry. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So he's going to be the father of many nations, but God says it didn't come through his, his keeping of the law. It came through his faith. The faith of Abraham, the father of the faithful. For verse 14, for if they which are the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. That's such an important verse, but very clearly, one more time, saying, look, it's what we're going to get to in Hebrews eleven six. If it's of grace, it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Verse 15, because the law worketh wrath for where no law is, there's no transgression. And so we see again that law and faith cannot mix. It's one or the other. In verse 14, we see that faith is made void if we seek righteousness by our own righteousness. And that's something we've got to be very, very careful of is that uh, we can sometimes get to thinking that somehow we are superior to other people because we are more righteous than other people. No, we're not. Nobody's any better than anybody else. The law we will see reveals to us our inability to keep the law rather than be in a way of righteousness. And that's what the law does. The law comes to show us we can't keep it, not so that we will keep it. Uh, it, it that doesn't diminish the fact that we're supposed to try to keep it, but God's clearly going to show us that we can't 100% totally keep it. If you've offended one point of the law, you've offended all. And so, so this section, which is a section of rhetorical questions and answers, ends with an answer to the question that has been posed over and over through the passage. Paul simply says, by now it should be clear. You see in, the, in verse 16, this whole pa- this little section, I say passage, so section of verses, it, it's rhetorical questions that he's going to ask a question, but he really doesn't expect an answer. He's going to give the answer. And then finally, he's going to give the conclusion of all those questions. He gets to ch- verse 16. He says, therefore, it is of faith. That's a pretty definitive statement. It's not sort of or maybe. It is of faith that it might be by grace. You see, if it's not of faith, then it can't be of grace. You know, if it's not a faith, then it means somewhere we did something to earn it. And if we did something to earn it, remember, we're not to it yet, but we've already preached about it, Romans eleven six. I love it. Uh, if, it if it's not of grace, if it's of grace, it's not of works. And so he says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. He's saying, look. This way, it's available to everybody. Did you know that uh, if, if we said, if God said you've got to, to run a 100-yard dash, 
to go to heaven. Brother Cummings, how you doing? If God said you got to walk a mile with a broken leg, how you doing? You'd be slow. If God said that you had to grow hair, my daddy would be in trouble. And Brother Felton. If God put anything there, if there was any requirement, no matter how simple it was, there would be somebody that couldn't fulfill it. I was talking to a lady at the doctor's office yesterday, and, and, uh, and she was talking to me, and just a very sweet lady, spiritual lady, and talking about this very thing. You can't, if God put anything there other than faith, but faith, and she said, you know, a lot of people don't think little children can get saved. And I said, ma'am, what do they do with the fact that God told us we have to come with the faith of a child? You know, God made it so simple that even a little child and have salvation. Now, a little child may not have understood obedience yet. You know what I mean? If you have one that does, then you've got a unique child. My daughter took a picture, a Christmas thing she posted on Facebook, sent to us, you know, little pictures of all of her children, little Christmas card, you know, you do. You don't really mail Christmas cards anymore. You just do them on the Internet and think you've done your duty. And so, uh, but she put them all there. And then she sent to us Ireland. How old is Ireland? Like two or something? She put a picture of Ireland. She said the picture that did not make it to the card. Ireland's two. In Ireland, Joe Beth just babysat her for, what, two weeks? That girl... She, she has endless energy, and she has the most creative mind for a two-year-old you've ever seen in your life. Well, truthfully, she's demon-possessed, okay? <laughs> and so they have these sweet little pictures, and then she sends the picture to us, and, and Ireland's like... <laughs> she said, the picture that did not make the card. And I thought, this Ireland... I mean, she's a, she's a total mess. But you know, Ireland, another year or two, I doubt she's going to just flip over and just be the most obedient child in the world. But at any moment, as a four, five, six, seven, whatever year old child, at any moment, the conviction of the Holy Spirit can hit. And by faith, she can get saved. And we sure hope she does. All right. <laughs> Remember, Genesis 17, 1 through 4 says, And when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram 
and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be the father of many nations. Notice that Abraham is not promised to be the father of the nation of Israel or the nation of the Jews, but of many nations. It's because he's the father of faith. And faith comes into any nation, the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, things to carry away from this tonight, and we're done. Number one, righteousness comes through faith. Number two, salvation is available to all people. Number three, even though the law and circumcision do not save or bring righteousness, it is still important that we show a sign to the world who we are. Number four, the seal of baptism, church membership, Lord's Supper, Christian ethics, love, and kindness are no less important for the Christian, though they have nothing to do with our eternal life. They're still vitally important. And that, I think, what we miss out of this sometimes, we just say, oh, it's by faith. And so God's not worried about how you act. God looks on the heart. Well, can I tell you, what's in the heart shows outwardly. So, well, let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness, your love to us. Lord, thank you for your word.